listening to the Blade and Chalice podcast, hosted by David Kahn. Hello, and welcome back to episode five of the Blade and Chalice podcast. Last week, we had a fabulous interview with Natasha Mott from Raising the Vibes Metaphysical Academy, and she answered a lot of questions regarding what are the Akashic records, how can we directly work with them, and what efficiencies we may find in life from this type of work. And this week, we will be building on that theme and going a little deeper into how we can use the Akashic records specifically for creative endeavors. When I say creative endeavors, I'm talking about finding your inner genius, you know, that real shining radiance of your purpose and how that can shine through in your writing, your music, your dance, your cooking, whatever it is you do that involves creativity. So if you want to get familiar with the basics first, I'd highly recommend that you listen to last week's podcast, which is episode four, to kind of get yourself um, familiarized with the Akashic Records. If you've already listened to that podcast or you know what they are, then by all means, kick back and get ready to listen to some amazing stuff about creativity. Okay, on to the fun stuff now. So I've always been a creative person at heart. Since the young age of probably five or six, when I was thrust into piano lessons, uh, you know, and learning uh, hot cross buns and all that type of stuff, but I would always play my own stuff. It would always come out. And when I got a little bit older, I started to uh, develop digital worlds. I built my own video games when I was about 12. And then I'd build these huge cities out of Lego and I started writing music for guitar and, uh, and keyboards and orchestration. So, you know, creativity has always been a part of my life. It was always a way to invoke other worlds. I felt like art, literature, music, dance, and film, and that's just, you know, so I don't have to say all of the mediums at once. These have the ability to convey so much more depth and impact than our mere words or actions alone. As Miles Davis said, the great jazz trumpetist, music is about the space in between the notes. And it's true. The artist has the ability to tap into other realms, other dimensions, and frequency bandwidths that can range from obscure to inspiring to downright mystical and sacred. In studying a wide range of spiritual traditions, I came across the idea of objective art versus subjective art. Without getting too much into heady philosophy here, I want to explore these a little bit more because they tie into the Akashic Records and how art can be used to move us into transcendental states. Transcendental states are a function of objective art. Objective art is where the artist has done their inner work to align themselves and resonate with a realm or dimension of spiritual truth. They've cleared out any obstruction, any tethers to lower influences and allow themselves to be perfect conduits of spiritual truth, which is really our innate ability despite how rare it appears these days. When a person comes into contact with this realm, 
its frequency actually has a transformative effect on the individual in contact, whether they know it or not. And it begins to align their subtle bodies with a higher order. So like I said earlier, the artist becomes a conduit or an intermediary between our earthly world and this higher dimension. The greater their skill, degree of inner work, attention and presence, the greater the capacity they have for tuning into these spaces and evoking them into their creation. One example I have seen of this is when certain pieces of classical music were played, it caused electromagnetically charged iron filings to perfectly line up in the shape of the seal of Solomon or the star of David. This alignment of iron dust is no accident and works much the same way that ice crystals align structurally to very harmonious shapes in the work that Dr. Masaru Emoto has done with water holding a molecular memory. These impressions obtained from objective artwork, therefore, has a direct impact on our being at a cellular level. And that is fascinating stuff. So the transformative effect really comes down from these higher lofty dimensions and actually affects us on a physical level. So the power of this type of art is incredible. It really hits on all the planes, on all the different layers of our existence, you could say. Now, subjective art, on the other hand, is what we're probably mostly familiar with when we think of creative endeavors, because that's mostly what we've been subjected to. It is art created from an artist's psyche that aligns with another realm or dimension. However, this type of dimension does not necessarily have a transformative effect on the listener. It can definitely bring up emotions and high degrees of pleasure, discord, um, you know, enthusiasm, sorrow, any of these emotions are possible. They can completely evoke different states of consciousness, but it ultimately does not create a lasting benefit that has a spiritual significance to it. As there are an infinite number of dimensions out there, some are interesting, some are blissful, some are quite incompatible with the human biology, and some have the rare properties that we discussed a little bit earlier that are transformative. But the common thread in subjective art that really differentiates it from objective art is that it doesn't make any difference spiritually in the listener. And even some types of subjective art can be very harmful to the more sensitive circuitry of humans, such as abrasive rap music, death metal, and horror movies, to name a few. They really, the more sensitive sides of us uh, really contract and, and they really get like sandpapered when these forms of a very kind of uh, grotesque, you could say, art are subjected to it. Now, people really like this stuff too, and they really get a kick out of it. So I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying those more sensitive areas take a hit when that type of art is being watched or being heard or being experienced. Subjective art is likely to be much more popular than objective art because it captures the experience and identity of a culture or subculture at a particular point in time.
So it can evoke very strong feelings in those who identify with certain cultures, beliefs, and psychological states. Many times, people who are deeply entrenched in their earthly lives won't notice anything special about objective art, as they actually lack the sensitivity to begin with. They aren't experiencing their innate spiritual gifts on a regular basis. So they can see objective art and it, you know, they're not interested in it because it's not resonating with their pain and pleasure centers. You know, for them, they're going to be much more attractive to subjective art. And that's because subjective art in this case resonates with the vibration that these types of people live in. And it may be very intoxicating and exciting for them. My point with all this is that subjective versus objective art isn't about good art versus bad art or unpopular art versus successful art. It's about intention and the ability of art to convey a transmission that furthers our spiritual growth or not. When we begin to tune into higher dimensional influences initially, we begin to get deeper insights about our own lives and the patterns that affect us. We are all creative geniuses at heart. We all create something in our lives. We all have our mojo in certain areas, and we all have the ability to bring harmony and order from the rawness of the nature around us. Just think about it. You know, food is taking different plants and different maybe animal products if you if you eat animal products and grains and combine them into you know a concoction that takes skill even um playing with children is a form of art in creativity so we all have this capability and when we begin to do our spiritual work and it begins to connect us with other higher dimensional influences, those begin to trickle into everything that we do. We enlarge our footprint in the world and may begin to receive memories or impressions that come from a place beyond our particular lifetime and the particular memories associated with that. Sometimes we can access particular experiences from other realms that have shaped our spiritual understanding and contributed to the growth of our soul. For instance, when I was a kid, I really liked medieval fantasy, and I would just have these visions, even without seeing a lot of movies, I'd have visions of, you know, vast landscapes and adventures and, you know, crystalline caverns and, you know, huge... Um, quests and different creatures and all this sort of stuff would be in my psyche. That didn't come from anything I had experienced in this world. Of course, it was shaped by watching movies that evoked these type of things. But these themes are floating around in the collective unconscious for a reason. It's because people have brought these experiences from other places and other times, and they are lodged there. They've also contributed to the collective unconscious through bodies of art, such as J.R.R. Tolkien, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Sometimes we may feel like these other realms may still benefit us and even others. We can give life to them through our creative endeavors. I've had a great deal of firsthand experiences as a musician doing this very thing. In fact, whenever I write songs, or especially albums of music, 
I always started with a concept, a world, a setting, essentially a story or a tale. As I tune into the story further and further, I begin to embody it and start improvising and giving it life through the melodies. The melodies would then show up, sometimes in my dreams even, they'd present themselves and songs would begin to write themselves throughout this process. Um, in my training, as I've learned to access the Akashic Records consciously, I've begun to become more aware of this process happening. These days, before I write, compose music, or create artwork, I will often first connect with the Akashic Records and place myself into a space that is conducive for higher dimensional messages to come through. It actually speeds up the process of creating greatly. Like Natasha was saying last week, she is all about efficiencies, and using the Akashic Records is a great way to get aligned and invoke inspiration. So you don't have to sit around waiting for inspiration to show up or go out searching for a muse. Not only that, but working in the Akashic Records is a spiritually purifying process. Our tethers to negative patterns begin to dissipate, and our connection back to essence strengthens. We are given guidance, direction, and insight that aligns with our higher will, and we can create from a place of much greater potency and access spaces that may even evoke objective art. Again, it's about commitment to this. It's a process. Everybody's a bit different with it too. Some people get in there and right away they access these states and other people have to go through a bit of an initiation process for a period of time. Ultimately though, it will feel right for us, whatever we have to do. There should be a knowing, okay, I've got some stuff to clear out or wow, I can just get to work. Working this way is a way of receiving the inspiration for art, writing, music, making food, or creativity of any sort from a higher dimension that wants to take hold in our earthly dimension. I've often observed ideas are just floating around. They're looking for a human host. And the quality of idea is sort of the, dependent on the quality of the receptor. So we are sort of receptors for these ideas. And we can get higher ideas if our receptor is highly tuned. Given that the work we do in the Akashic Records is specifically for benevolent purposes and for the raising of consciousness, I feel like what comes through always has a unifying message rooted in love, which is the expansion of consciousness, and not fear, manipulation, or divisiveness, which is the contraction of consciousness. It takes time and commitment to bring through these invocational pieces of work, and I can tell you that from experience. They often come only once we have done a great degree of our own inner work and are ready to hold the frequency of higher dimensional transmissions. This ties back into objective work, where the quality of the transmission is directly related to the degree of purification that the artist has cultivated within themselves. And you see what can happen if an artist hasn't purified themselves. You know, often we see these tortured geniuses that would produce brilliant work, you know, and people would really have a huge impact from the work, but the artist was a mess. You know, I think of Oscar Wilde, um, the great, uh, great writer and involved in literature. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, raging alcoholic and, you know, tormented um, with a lot of emotions. And, and Beethoven, you know, Ludwig von Beethoven created some amazing music, but he was, you know, always flying off the handle in different rages and, and very, you know, intense. So, you know, when we access these, we also have to do a corresponding amount of inner work in order to hold that frequency. Otherwise, the frequency can actually destroy us or make things very uncomfortable, at least. I feel like some of the great luminaries in our history, talking about J.R.R. Tolkien, Leonardo da Vinci, and George Lucas, to name a few, they accessed objective realms as well. Now, I've never heard of them doing any work in the Akashic Records, but I feel like their inner work, life experience, and intention allowed them to connect with objective spaces regardless. Da Vinci, for instance, is often touted in... Um, you know, mystical literature as being a very advanced spiritual being. And we don't know a tremendous amount of his life as he lived approximately 500 years ago, but what he was able to access definitely shows that he wasn't just tapped into the collective unconscious, but he was actually able to project it forward in time. Um, the common thread with the three individuals I named um, is that, you know, they really committed their life work to this. They really aligned their lives so they could spend a great deal of time bringing forth that creativity. And that is where the intention comes into play. The Akashic records aren't really special in the sense that they're reserved for a select few. They're really open to anyone that is willing and capable of tuning into that particular frequency, then holding the vibration, and also staying committed to stay the course for however long it takes to complete the transmission. I'm going to now share a story from my own life of how a transmission came through for me. A few months ago, I was doing some work. And when I say work, I mean inner work. And I was contemplating where the heck the world is heading with everything that's going on right now, this upside down clown world, as I call it. As I tuned into the Akashic Records, I was given a very interesting breadcrumb to follow. A particular voice said, The Age of Capricorn. Age of Capricorn? Huh? That's thousands of years away. This is an astrology thing, by the way. Um, as many of you have probably heard of the Age of Aquarius, and that's the age that is unfolding right now. But the Age of Capricorn is still at least 2,000 years away. However, as I unraveled this message a little further... I became more aware of a potential golden nugget that was awaiting me. A story told from the future about now and what's going on. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, as they say. <laughs> the more I tuned into the records, the more that impressions of this story begin to emerge. They begin to reveal themselves. I would enter the Akashic Records and begin writing more and more details and as I wrote more, there was more vividness and more of the message came through. It's kind of like developing a relationship. And so as I commit to bringing life to what I'm given, I am then given more to bring life to. So as I get a message and I write it or I compose music for it, I then go back into the space and there's more details and more information coming through. That's at least the way that I've experienced it. Other people might experience something a little bit different. 
This whole process was very interesting with the age of Capricorn, as it was like I was following a future timeline back to now, at the beginning of the 21st century. It's similar to the way that, you know, if we miss a part in a movie, we're able to rewind it. Or if we want to go back to the movie, we can rewind it to the start again. (laughs) But as I got more and more engaged in this work, the image began to come into focus like the adjusting of a camera lens. I also received more and more information on how this was to be shared. It didn't just need to be written. It needed to be narrated, musically scored, and then animated. Animated? I exclaimed to myself. I'm no artist. I can't even draw a stick man. I don't know how to do that. As it turned out, I didn't really need to worry about anything. I received an email from Adobe offering me a huge discount on a bunch of graphic and animation software. Like, I mean, a really killer discount. And these guys produce sort of the top-end industry standard equipment and programs. So it was a clear sign that I had to step out of my comfort zone and learn to animate. I spent two months taking courses and learning all there was about how to be an animator. It was a very engaging and fun experience, though overwhelming at times. I felt like learning how to express through this medium was uncovering a whole new way of channeling impressions into different flavors of artwork. It was a heck of a commitment, though. There were days I'd spend 12 to 14 hours working on animation, completely enraptured by this world of learning. It was like going back to school. And it really felt like this message from the future wanted to come through, and it had selected me as the host for putting it into form, digital form, of course. And after working on this for quite some time, I was finally able to produce a story and animate the first part of it. And man, this made me feel excited, empowered, and like I had a gift to share with others. Mind you, what came through was a very interesting story, strange at times, and not something I would have normally thought of myself. It has some dark parts and some very beautiful, light, and inspiring parts. And ultimately, I feel it has a message that is of use to humans right now on this earth, given the challenging times we are experiencing. I'm very pleased and excited to say that you can actually see this work and what was invoked from another realm, a positive future timeline of the earth, if you will, and witness the fruits of what can be created here. And again, this is just the start of it as I'm getting my, my shoes for animating and figuring out how to run with that. I'm no professional animator, and I've only been doing that part for a few months, but it is still at a stage where I feel confident that it's ready to be shared. So, check out the description of this podcast, because I've got a link there to the first part of The Age of Capricorn. I've posted on YouTube for people to check out. I'd be thrilled if you took a few moments to check it out, and it would really mean a lot to me if you shared it. And let me know, either in the comments section or by email, if you enjoyed it and resonated with the message. Creative works are beautiful expressions, as they speak to the subconscious mind through the power of myth. And not only that, but it allows for a reciprocity to happen between the artist and the person who experiences the art. We kind of come into a shared resonance of sorts. We often don't consciously understand music, art, and even literature, but they tap into a deeper part of us that understands the underlying archetypes of our existence. 
it impacts our subconscious mind and begins transforming the way that we experience the breadth of reality. As someone who has been deeply creative my entire life, I find great bliss, satisfaction, and purpose in manifesting writing projects, music, and, well, animation now, into some degree of form. And I must say, the artists really exist primarily because of the people who enjoy the art. The people who read, listen, and watch these types of projects are always great forms of feedback and inspiration of where we are at in our own capacity to deliver the transmission that we're meant to deliver from other worlds or realities. The words they use give us clues into how well we are doing. Do our creations capture the state of the current paradigm? Do they speak to the deeper archetypes of humanity? Do they evoke transcendental states in others? I feel during the initial stages of any project, it is up to us to learn our craft and learn it well. As we learn our craft, it is very important to find time to play and improvise and be receptive to the passing inspiration that just trickles in from I don't even know where sometimes. And we may even choose to use sources like the Akashic Records or perhaps a real-life muse to evoke this inspiration. But both go hand in hand. Learning the craft is the masculine trait of commitment, discipline, order, rules, structure, and form. And improvising or being moved by your inspiration is the feminine quality of receptivity, breaking the rules, and seeing how our creation fits in holistically with the rest of life unfolding. They both go hand in hand and are required to create something new, to give birth to the metaphorical child. This is the process of mastery, the equilibrium, and the high refinement of both the masculine and feminine polarities in a creative endeavor. I recently wrote a blog post describing how this process works in great detail, and I called it the two ingredients in every alchemical elixir. It discusses the creative process in great detail and alludes to how one can get in touch with their inner genius to begin creating objective art that can potentially have a transformative effect not only on themselves, but on other people as well. Of course, I've shared a link to that blog post in the description below as well. I'm just filling this podcast with lots of jewels and nuggets of gold for you. This one is really packed with a lot of cool stuff. Ultimately, I feel like creative works need to be shared and how to create creative works needs to be shared as well because it's been a major part of my spiritual practice for many, many years. When I began to work in the Akashic Records, I found that my ability to create increased greatly as I had tapped into a new source for awesome inspiration. Not only did it increase, but the actual quality or type of work and creative art that I was doing changed. It aligned from, you know, uh, stories about fantasy to now things that have spiritual significance encoded into them, you could say. Um, so since my own learning to work in the Akashic Records, I, I took um, a number of courses and, and with a, a particular school, and I began to um, learn to teach other people on how to work with this modality for themselves, for their own self-knowing, 
for their own self-purification, and especially for creative pursuits. So I've partnered with a good friend of mine named Marie to offer a level one course on how to read the Akashic Records for yourself, how to gain information from other worlds, how to tap into deeper creativity. And this course will begin on August 10th and take place over Zoom. If you're interested in exploring this modality and resonate with what has been discussed today, I highly recommend you check out this course as it can really help you to learn and master the skills of imbuing your life and your creations with higher dimensional influences. I've posted a link to the description where you can find out more and register for this course through the academy I'm part of called the Modern Mystics Collective. So again, we have three links in the description. You have my creation, the age of Capricorn, my blog post on creativity, and then you have an opportunity to take a course with me and my good friend Marie, where we teach you how to access the Akashic Records for yourself and apply it to your potential creative projects. Since we're living in times of chaos and uncertainty, it's up to each of us to find meaningful ways in our lives to bring order to the chaos that serves the divine process of evolution in whatever capacity or form resonates with us. I feel like when things get bad, it's time to create. It's really time to access that because the vibration of creating, it brings our vibration back up to its natural, innate, essential state. And nothing can really touch us then. We're not subject to fear, outrage, shame, guilt, those heavy emotions. No, we're in a very empowered, magnetic state of being. And that radiance basically comes off of us and other people feel it. And so the people that need to become very attracted to us in this process. Anyway, that's what I have to say today. This was one heck of a podcast and I'm really, really excited that you listened to it and got this far in it because I feel like there's just so much here and there's so much more in all of our journeys as we begin to deepen our commitment to our own creative process. It's been a great pleasure sharing what I know about creativity today and I hope you got a tremendous amount out of this. Have a wonderful week and stay tuned to the next episode where I will be interviewing a very special guest who is a global Dakini that merges quantum physics, astrophysics with ancient tantric practices and sacred dance in a completely unique expression. Till then, take care.